Hello, welcome to this week's edition of Rugby League Back Chat and a unique one it is as well. Given the circumstances, we obviously can't record as we usually would, but we are innovative and we want to keep you something to watch during these testing and for many people, quite boring times. So working from home, we've all managed to find a way to record and our first guest this week, you may know him, Leeds Rhinos halfback and England halfback, Luke Gale. Luke, how are you? Yeah, very well, thank you. Uh, as we say, strange times, and uh, I hadn't done too many interviews like this, so uh, yeah, somewhat different, but looking forward to it. Probably happy to speak to me for once because I'll uh, help you <laughs> with the boredom, to be fair. Uh, <laughs> mate, tell, tell me a little bit about this period for uh, for players because I mean, there's all sorts of, of things going around, you know. I get players worrying about pay cuts, about keeping fit, everything like that. Is that sort of the the common talking points among players at the minute? Yeah, definitely. It's, um, first of all, it's it's the not knowing factor. Look, rugby players, we've been told what to do from probably being 16, 17 years old. And it's that that routine, I suppose, that we, we, we all crave. And even a couple of weeks ago, they were kind of the not knowing. How we're training, how we're not. We've had a couple of games cancelled anyway. So I think we're two games behind the normal competition. Uh, we we obviously didn't get to play Catalans away, then the St Helens game got called off. So it is it is crazy times, and uh, as we mentioned, um, probably pay cuts are, are imminent. But look, if that's for the good of the sport and that's to keep our sport going, the, the boys aren't really too bothered. If I, if I'm totally honest, um, look, I think most of the the world's going to have to take some sort of hit. Uh, and we're no different. So, look, the boys, are, are, it is. it has been spoke about in his group chats. Uh, but, yeah, look, we just want our game to be um, back to normal. And, and I suppose the world to be back to normal as well. Uh, yeah. It is It is very strange times and uh, we're having to improvise. And the whole world's having to improvise as well. So, yeah, definitely, definitely strange. How does Luke Gale keep, keep practising when you can't go on a rugby field? Um, I suppose, like, look, if you look on social media, I, I just said, I spoke with Ollie, Ollie Holmes yesterday. I've never seen him train as hard. He didn't train that hard. <laughs> uh, I think I think we'll be all right. I think we'll be, look, I think most people are, um, are, are doing some sort of fitness, whether it be in the garden, whether it be running, Myself personally, um, I've just done a a twenty minute kind of uh, Metcon session. My my partner's massive into a like a, a CrossFit sort of thing. She's okay. been trying to get me in garden for a few days, and I've been I've been running myself, just keeping fit. But she's finally got me to do one in garden. To be fair, it it, it was all right. Um, I'm normally a guy who goes in gym and likes to do a a, a set of arms and chest, <laughs> not kind of a, a full body workout. So uh, I would have never. I've never thought that. Never. <laughs> yeah, a few, a bit of abs, a bit of chest, a few abs to finish, and that's my gym session done. But um, yeah, no, we just had. I, I'm pretty lucky. I, I live on the park, um, so I take the kids walking around the park uh, nearly every day. Anyway, um, mm-hmm. do the sessions in the park, and and we've got a pretty nice garden where we can do a workout as well. So look, at it's we kind of make the most of a of a bad situation really yeah there's some rugby posts actually on the park as well no uh, even I've, got, better. I, I've got a bag of balls as well I'm, uh, look i'm not quite at that stage yet. i've quite enjoyed the week off um uh the week of off rugby sort of thing but probably uh come towards next week or back end of week i might get the balls out 
No, I take my advice. You don't want to do that because you'll have the police onto you. You'll be getting issued fines because all the kids will be coming running over <laughs> and wanting to get involved and they'll be dispersing you and everything. Yeah, you don't want to get involved that, in that. That's a good point, actually. Keep the balls at home and I'll, I'll stay on my jogs. <laughs> on, a, on another note, I uh, noticed a bit of a media war going on between you and a teammate in Brad Dwyer. Uh, you did a call-up and apparently you put his uh, his face on Boris Johnson. He was telling me. <laughs> it won't, it, that no. won't me. That won't me. <laughs> well, he he uh, he did have a dig back anyway, and he uh, yeah. said in the piece I did with him. I just he just hopes that your fringe manages to survive <laughs> the pandemic. I don't know if you want to have a go back at him, but the the, uh, the floor's open. No, no, no. Um, he, uh, no, he's good crack. Is is Brad Dwyer, and uh, yeah, give us uh, give us all a, a bit of a rousing speech. And as I mentioned, they were. Boris Johnson-esque in the way he brought it and it was actually James Donaldson who was real sharp on social media and put his face on Boris Johnson and a bit of a laugh but no, Dog's been good, Dog's been uh, he's started up a little podcast, keeping himself busy um, no, and he's, he's good crack actually uh, I, I suppose that the hardest thing for me personally is that day-to-day just um, crack with lads and that's that's probably yeah. what, what I miss the most day-to-day not not being in training. But about the season so far, though, I don't want to talk about coronavirus forever. You've had yeah. a fantastic start to the year. Uh, Leeds are flying, you're flying, reached landmarks with points scored, you've got back in the England set-up just like that. You must be chuffed a bit with how it's gone so far. Yeah, I am from a personal point of view. Look, my, my biggest aim was just, just to get back fit and get back, back playing good rugby. And uh, yeah, I couldn't be happier with with Perth and the team as well, um, the team are flying. Uh, we're a really good spot. Uh, the kind of pandemic's come at the wrong time because I think we we were playing some great rugby. Um, and the more we could have got gelled as a as a unit, me myself, uh, Rob Louie, uh, Jack Walker's obviously injured, but but all them key players gelling together. Uh, the longer it goes on, the more the, the better we're going to get. So, yeah, frustrating on that point. But um, as 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 you mentioned, couldn't be happier with the, the way the team started, and uh, we've as I say, we've played some good stuff. So when it all starts up again, uh, we're in a good spot, mate. What what sort of impact have you had on the dressing room? I think this is an interesting topic to discuss because Leeds, since Peacock, since Maguire, since Burrow, and all those guys have left. There have been a suggestion that. Maybe they've lacked, I don't want to say leaders, because I think there are leaders, but a character, you know, someone who's going to bring the dressing room all together, tie them in. There's been a suggestion maybe you've been that guy to, to bring everyone together. Is that fair? How, how, do, how do you see that? Well, I can't just say, yeah, can I? Um... <laughs> well, you can, you can no, though, I want no, you to. No, do you know what? I, I, I come in and I, I knew that the... Um... They kind of lacked a, a dominant half and, and a leader who, who was going to lead the team. And uh, I obviously took over the captains him from from Stevie. Uh, he obviously had had a couple of issues, and and, and Richie mm. kind of left me with a job. And um, it, it, look, I, I'm one of them who was a dominant uh, talker anyway, at, um, uh, a bit of a, a loud a, a loud mouth, so to speak. And I'll, I'll get the boys um, look. Kind of, I, that's just how I am. I'm, I'm that sort of figure anyway. So it's kind mm. of a, a fell in my lap, kind of not by choice really. But um, no, look, I, I, I'm relishing the role. Um, as I say, we've started great, and um, 
my one of probably my key attributes is is leading the team anyway, and um, that might not be with Winston Churchill type speeches, but just by by leading by example and 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 kind of bossing the lads on the field. So um, I'm happy to play that part. Just quickly, I've only got about 15 seconds. Grand final, yes or no? Is it possible? Yeah, hundred percent, definitely. Right, that'll do still, me nice I, week. It, it's uh, it's a difficult one because. No one's found it, so it'll be interesting when we all get back. Um, where we kind of lie, but it's uh, it's been fantastic, mate. You're a good one. Thank you very much for coming on, Luke Gale of the Leeds Rhinos. Thanks very much for your time, Cheers, top man. Let's bring Damien Irving into the conversation. Damien, how are you? Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Matt. Good to see you. What can we know now that the season has been delayed indefinitely? Uh, no date set on it. Probably a sensible answer, given that we don't know. But where does rugby league go from here, Damien? Look, the, the delayed date now is is really important. I think certainty is what the game needs now. And it seems ridiculous in such a period of uncertainty. But in terms of planning and catastrophe planning and, and crisis planning, which we're in at the moment, um, some level of certainty is really important. So the, I think as far as where the game goes, the sooner the game can get start dates or a decision on competitions, the better. Um, we're already seeing that in, in some of the football industries now, um, starting to make you know big decisions on whether or not competitions are cancelled, uh, whether we, we start to review when we start competitions, et cetera. So where we go now, I think, is we need certainty. Um, it's, a, it's a massive time for the game. Um, the financial viability of a number of clubs is under threat. How do we do that then? How can how can the RFL and Super League, I guess ultimately they are the ones that have to do that, how can they come up with a certain date, I guess, yeah, take, to allow clubs to plan for? Takes a mat, enormous bravery, Matt. Uh, somebody is going to have to, to, to literally take this and run with it and say, we have been proactive. We're going to either cancel the competitions now and reboot a... a, 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 a a shortened version of a season, perhaps later in the year, uh, cancel competitions or cancel it all and look just to restart next year's competition, potentially in November um, earlier, for example, or December. It takes bravery. Um, there's a lot of decision-making at the moment where people are waiting on uh, guidance from governments or from governing bodies and things. Um, it's so ambiguous and, and you can't plan financially. You can't get certainty on people's careers and contracts and, and financial modelling whilst you're just waiting to see how long this might go for. Um, the best people in the world, the best scientists in the world can't tell us how long we're going to have to be under this situation. So um, I think bravery needs to happen and somebody needs to come out and say, we're, we're doing this and we're, we're cutting competitions, we're reviewing it, we're restructuring it right now. Should clubs look at furloughing people? Would would you know? Would, would that work? Would would that be a sensible thing to do? It, Super League wide, sir. It is, Matt, and a hundred percent they should. Um, the government um, recommendations on eighty percent of of guaranteeing wages for furloughed employees stipulate that a furloughing a legal position on employees is the way to go. That's the way you can obtain that. What that is for those people watching that aren't quite sure of that, it's it's just like it's an old farming term, fur, furlough a field um, that you're not going to use this particular season, but you still need it later. Um, it's not altering the employment contracts it's putting people um, on notice that we don't need you we can't afford you at the moment but we're not sacking you you're valuable to us we're going to accept this government funding of 80 percent and we're going to put you mothball you and your employment um, until we're ready to go again i would i would suggest that most clubs should be doing that um, 
you know, essentially now. Um, where there's an issue contractually with that, Matt, is is player contracts. They don't actually um, mm-hmm. have uh, have capacity for a furloughing position. Um, but I think the, the the Rugby League Association, the Players Association and competitions are discussing about a mutually beneficial way that players might give a little uh, and that clubs um, can give a little because uh, with broke Rugby League clubs, players don't have a contract anyway. I guess the other issue with the players side of it as well is that yes okay that would be okay for some pro for some players but what about players who are on 125 plus a year how would the clubs then still offset that money because it wouldn't cover the the furlough regulations even if they could get them in place wouldn't cover those salaries would they no make no mistake matt there are more players in rugby league in our sport in this country that um are on a low wage um than those on the massive wages and and like also the gate staff the car park staff the catering staff um look Clubs will try and should try to pay 100% of the wage and top up that extra 20% for those that would ordinarily be earning it. Not all clubs will be able to afford that. Um, it's catastrophic times and um, everybody's going to hurt a little bit. But um, uh, let's not let's not fall into this public argument that, you know, rugby league players are really wealthy people and everyone that works in the game have a higher wage and so they can afford to cut a little bit. Um, that is uh, the ex- uh, exception rather than the rule in, in majority of wages. So I guess now we look at this situation logistically, um, you know, Challenge Cup, Summer Bash, Magic Weekend, 1895 Cup, are they all going to fall by the wayside, do you think? The events that the RFL are trying to maintain, Matt, um, and are trying to keep an open door, and I think why the game isn't saying we've got to cancel these now and give some clarity, is because these decisions are being made purely on a financial basis. The game can't afford rugby league in this country, cannot afford to lose a Magic Weekend, a Challenge Cup final, and certainly not the Ashes Series, which is not going to happen, Matt, I can tell you now. From Australia's point of view, they're not going to tour an Ashes Series. So Why why, 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 why is that, Damien? Because you're the first person that I've come across that's, that's had, I don't want to say the guts, but has, has had it in them to say, look, let's be real, this isn't going to happen. Why are you so confident that Australia won't come and... and- well, because, because of logic, because the NRL uh, rely heavily on their Foxtel um, uh, rights that is around their competition and around their origin series uh, for their main TV rights. Uh, they are not going to risk any of that. They're going to get competition games and content on in their domestic league well before they worry about an Ashes series. Unfortunately, the RFL and the game in England won't be on their list of priorities, Matt. It's not going to happen. So we obviously know it's not ideal for England in preparation for the World Cup, but more importantly right now, what about financially for the RFL? How will that affect them? Well, that's a, that's a million pound loss straight away if the Ashes don't happen, let alone um, Challenge Cups and other major key events. Um, what crisis and times like this bring out is if you're operating a model which is shaky financially from the start, um, you're not very well um, equipped to deal with uh, catastrophic situations which we're in now. So it's really just highlighting how um, how hand-to-mouth the game really is. How does the RFL sort the Ashes problem then financially more than anything? Um, they just have to cut. They have to cut. Um, they have to cut some of the fat at head office. They have to cut wages. They need to look at their expenses and, and, and overcome that million pound shortfall like every other business in the UK is at the moment. That's not easy though, is it? That's not easy for a, a governing body. How, how would you suggest to do that? Just quickly. Uh, 
Look, it's not, and, and, and I, I just think you have to look at everything that's non-essential coming out of that central governing body and really run a very lean operation to try and save every penny you can. And if that's executives taking a cut, then executives have to take a cut. Thanks for now, Damien. We will be back for more conversation after this short break. Welcome back to the second part of this week's Rugby League Back Chat live from my kitchen. We really are doing anything we can to keep this show on the road. Delighted to say we're joined for the start of this part of the show by Lee's very own Derek Beaumont. Derek, how are you? Not bad, Matt. Keeping battling on, lad. Your kitchen looks uh, nice, mate. For, you know what? It's just been done up. <laughs> just been done up. Uh, we were supposed to be having a a party to uh, to let everyone see it, but obviously that's not going to be happening anytime soon, so it'll be dirty and mucky by the time <laughs> we uh, we have anyone over. Anyway, not to worry. You're in your office, I think. I hope you're not isolated in there forever because you'll go mad. No, mate, they wouldn't leave me in here on my own too long, I tell you. They're through the door every two minutes, but uh, <laughs> it's it's all calming, uh, calming down and slowing down now. How's the last... Look, the last few weeks, I suppose, this, I know we're only just in lockdown, but you'll have been planning for this as a club and your own businesses, what, for two, three, four weeks now, I assume? Yeah, pretty much the rugby's been gone all month, hasn't it? Um, so, you know, it, it's more about what we do to keep our lads fit and healthy, mentally strong as well as, um, you know, physically. Um, but it's just kind of staged and grind itself down uh, slower and slower uh, to a point of yesterday, basically just just setting everybody down now, and uh, and you know we'll review it um, sort of like a week into April and, and see where we go from there with home training, etc. But at the minute, we've just give everybody some downtime. When do you reckon we'll be back? Um, I, I always think that when things are out of your control and you keep pushing them further away, they tend to be more causing of, of anxiety and, and, and difficulty. Um, whereas if you push something a little bit further than you perhaps think and then try and plan around that, you've got more chance of success and of achieving it. Um, so, so I think personally, um, you know, the game's probably uh, going to be looking, you know, more like I would have thought sort of June. Uh, that's my personal thoughts. And I, and I think, you know, wise people will be kind of figuring in and around that. Um, of how it can work from there on in as a, as a new sort of revised season. And that's a big job for the RFL, who I have to say have been absolutely fantastic in uh, everything they've provided to us all. Now, Derek, you were over the years have come up with some some rather innovative ideas. You've pushed a lot of things through. I remember you pushing through the salary cap in the championship way back when. <clears throat> that was your idea that, that you pushed through. Tell us about your idea for what we could do regarding scheduling if we, let's say, don't get to play again till June. What should we do? Um, look, you know, nobody's got the right or wrong answer, have they? But what we've got to do is we've got to see a season through, and we've got to f deliver on the promotion and relegation uh, aspects of it. So I, I think, obviously, you know, the operational rules are there for everybody to see concerning rugby league, including yourselves. So cups take precedent uh, over league matches. I think the Challenge Cups are massive event prestigious so I think that needs to um, obviously remain and, and be part of what's going on. The 1895 Cup I sponsor so I've got two hats with that. Does that need to carry on? And arguably it doesn't um, you know and uh, there's no reason why that couldn't skip a year and, and take the mid we gain pressure so we can get more in there um, or it could be that you had a final for that where Sheffield defended it against whoever was top of 
league at the time to keep a presence um, for the league. So that's something that could maybe go. I think you've got to extend the season, play contract until the end of November. So that could be looked at, but that's a different gig for Super League because they've got the grand final booked. Um, so probably you'd think a shortened playoffs uh, would be an answer. Uh, I think there needs to be a playoff for some description. Everybody needs a fair crack at that promotion and relegation at the end. But whether you did 2v3 to play the winner of the league, whether you did one place for 2v3 uh, mm. and just made it a bit shorter. So I think there's a lot of options and a lot of consideration that clubs can contribute to. You were uh, like, you're flying, aren't you? You boy, top of the league, you haven't, haven't lost a game, have you? You've, you've gone all guns blazing. I know there's been talk of a 13 team Super League next year, potentially, to make sure someone's rewarded for promotion, but there's no damage if you were to go down from Super League. Is that something that you think's a, a fair? resolution to that? Um, I, I, I've always said when I was in Super League, I think Super League should be made of 14 teams. Um, and, and, and I think, you know, you've seen what's in the championship. It can be supported by that. Uh, whether that's Lee, whether it's London, whether it's Bradford, you know, Featherstone, Toulouse, whoever it is, I think it can support it. Um, I hadn't, I'm not very much in touch with Super League, so I hadn't heard that one, Matt, so you just said it. Um, oh, I'm sorry. There you go. <laughs> um, but, you know, it, it, it's where it is. You're a man of information there, mate. It's amazing what you find out in your kitchen. Isn't it's, it? not all, it's not always <laughs> factual, but you know that better. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, look, we by no means guarantee we've started well. You could argue, without being disrespectful, who we've played, that we haven't really played the main people that we, we would argue would be competing. Um, but what we have got is we've got a very strong, deep squad um, and who are committed and in a good place. So I think the fact that you've got like 28 players is going to be really useful when it comes to this backlog of fixtures. So that'll put us in good stead. And obviously, I'm, I'm, I'm financially committed to, to sticking with it. So um, hopefully, when it does all come back, we'll, we'll work hard and fight strong. And if that's 13 teams in Super League, I'm, I'm not really bothered as long as one of them <laughs> yeah I'm just glad we don't get a summer bash because I, I mean it looks to me like from the outside there's, there's no way that we've got a Blackpool this year um, look if you're starting to chop things but you've also got to take into consideration the biggest partner of it all really which is probably Sky TV because you know they're the mm-hmm. ones who put the money in and that was an event that they was going to uh, showcase and they need to be able to broadcast things so you know they have a big say in it as well as the clubs and, and the RFL but ultimately certain things have got to go um, it could be that you know you, you still had a, a similar thing as the bash but you just screened up normal fixtures from within mm-hmm. it um, maybe even the 1895 Cup could form uh, that, you know, where you played all your quarterfinals in, in, in one day, in one event uh, of one of the rounds. I don't know. Um, but yeah, if you start looking at things going, you probably say the bash, you probably say the 1895 Cup, and you probably say a short and playoffs uh, version. There's also the issue some people have got backlog games. We've got one against Swinton, and I think Swinton's got us and Dewsbury that they've not played. So there's postponed games to go in before we've got the coronavirus postponement. Nice, uh, nice headaches for everyone to have. Not nice headaches at all, are they? In, in, the, in the meantime, I mean, just to try and take it away from coronavirus a little bit, I've touched on it then. Lee, you had a great start to the year. I know you've said that promotion isn't the be-all and end-all this year. You, you want to do it right. You must be pleased on. You must, like you said, you must be thinking, you know what, we've got a fair, we've got a fair chance this time. I think we've got a very good chance. I think the game against OKR, I mean, obviously, you, you know, they're, 
they've not got all their players at the moment and they're not firing on all cylinders. But but arguably, neither were we. So, uh, But, you know, I, I felt desperately for the lads in that one because I felt they'd probably done enough to just get it. Um, and that's twice in two years. So that was a good benchmark for us. So, yeah, we're, we're, we're quietly confident. Um, I think what's important this year, we've got a real good culture, uh, the players, the togetherness, and, and John's doing a fantastic job there coaching. And, and we've got a lot of people that care uh, in and around the place. And, you know, the fans are coming out and supporting us. And it, it's got a feel-good factor. And we've learned a lot from those desperate times that we encountered. So we're smarter for it this time around as well. Just very quickly, I've only got about 30 seconds here. You mentioned the culture. A lot has been said in the past about the recruitment you've done, maybe not recruit the right sort of people when you went to Super League, blah, 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 blah. Then the same when you came down. Do you think like maybe what you did this year, you've learned from that lessons? Is that even a fair criticism that's put yeah, your way? Yeah, 100% is. I've always took responsibility for that. You know, you're the head of an organisation and it goes wrong. You're the man who's got to man up and, and take it. Nobody comes to my club that I don't agree with. So uh, it was me who got it wrong. And, and, you know, if we get it right this time, that'll be John that's got it right. That's the way it goes, you know, the, play, <laughs> the players and the coaches. Uh, but ultimately, it's about them and it's them who's got to perform. And uh, hopefully they will when we get a chance to get there. But I just want to say a big thanks to all our fans as well for sticking by us and uh, pledging their support. It's been brilliant. Good on you, Derek. Thank you very much for joining us from your office. Now you got better. Well, you might not have better things to do at the minute. Who knows? But thank you all the same for joining us, mate. Take care. All the you too, Matt. Take care. Cheers. Let's get a player's perspective on this issue that we are currently facing. Then joined on the line by Hull KR halfback Ryan Briley. Ryan, how are you, pal? Yeah, I'm good, mate. All good. How are you? Not bad. Not bad. Try to keep myself entertained. I've uh, opened up Football Manager again. I've been playing that for about seven hours today before I uh, <laughs> took some time to speak to you. Tell me a little bit about or, or how this is for a player. What you know? What is it like for you? Any different to anyone else? Oh, it's boring. I'll say that for free. Um, it's, it's a hard one because we, we don't want to be selfish and we understand the um, the crisis the country is going through, I suppose. And it's, um, I think that main thing is to keep healthy and, and we do our best for the for the country and everyone around us and especially the most vulnerable but um there are there's always gonna be that that nagging uh, athlete mentality in the back of your head you just, just want to go and play a game and, and it's what we've done since since a kid obviously I've I've only ever known rugby league since I was four years old so to to be and every day I suppose from four year old five when you're playing rugby you get told what time you're training, when you're coming in, what time you're going on, what to eat, what not to eat. And to be taken like that, taken away from you, where you don't have a clue when you're going to be coming back in training, you do, you're not being told where to be, you're not allowed to come to training. It's just weird. It's just a bit of a bizarre feeling. And, and we actually had a chat uh, today about with with Tony Smith, and he was saying about how we have to keep our mental state well as well, um, as well as keeping in shape ourselves and keeping ourselves in 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 uh, in top shape when we come back, fitness wise and. Um, Body-wise, I think it's important to keep our, our mind busy as well that when this mm. uh, this sort of stuff's happening. Again, it, it's so new for everybody involved. And um, I think it's a good thing what, what you guys are doing, even even tonight, just getting players on to talk about people get people talking and, and, and not, not letting people hide away and and, uh, and and get forgotten about. It's good to keep try and keep the sport relevant. And um, I think as players, we'll do anything we can to, to make sure that's, that's happening. Right, so we've heard that you've all got like little individual training regimes that you've got to do. Apparently, this is coming all around the clubs. But be honest here, you're looking at what 10, 12 weeks off. 
is everyone still training or is as off-season mode already kicked in, the burgers are being piled down the throats, or are you actually trying to keep in shape at the minute? Well, it's a weird one because 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 it's a bit of the unknown. No one knows when we're going to come back or not. Like we don't, we've not been given a date, we've not been given a, a time scale. Um, we just go off what we hear on social media and the news about eight, ten, twelve weeks. Um, so we're just kind of getting us in in any sort of shape for when we get called upon. Really, it's it's a tough one. Um, I think. The natural instinct of rugby players, anyway, they, they'll go and train and they'll go and try their best and uh, keep up to some sort of some sort of shape. Um, but it comes a point where you just need a ball in your hand as well, and you, there's only something you can do on, the, on your own, isn't there? So, um, I think there comes a point where I think, especially when the contact side of things come come back into play, you're gonna have to do a three, four week period of getting the contact, getting your body right again, which is uh, I think which is probably the main thing, but. It, um, we're a bit like everyone else, a bit like yourself. We, we're a bit unknown. We don't really know what's going on. Um, we just kind of get told news as, as and when we get it. But um, one thing what has been good is, is Tony keeping everyone upbeat and, and making sure everyone's positive around the situation. What do you do, or what do the injured players do? I think you're quite fortunate at the minute that you haven't got a, a serious injury, but you're one of probably few at OKR. It seems like everyone's injured. What are they, what are they going to do regarding... You know, keeping fit. Um, it's a tough one. It, I, I don't. I don't think they're going to be able to get the the, the normal um, recovery programs and um, mm. some like the sort of the rehabilitation programs what they normally get. But probably having to go on on what they've done previously uh, for the last two, three, four weeks, uh, going on on that type of stuff, which is which will be which will be difficult. Um, but. I think for the lads who've got little niggles and little knocks, it's probably a bit of a blessing in disguise for them. The fact that they've managed mm. to rest up on little things and uh, like myself, got a bit of a niggle on my sternum, little niggle on my... I know we're only six, seven games in, but um, especially for me who's come from Championship, who's playing week in, week out in Super League, the, the, the level, is, is, is the difference is massive. So um, I for one welcome that break, especially in my body. I'd rather have the niggles and be playing every week, if that makes sense. So, um, hmm. in terms of the yeah, injured yeah. boys, they're going to have to probably do it tough without the actual guidance, what they've had previously. Um, but they're going to have to go on, on a lot about mm -hmm. their body feels and knowing their own body, uh, knowing the rehab programme, what they've, what they've been doing previously with, with, our, with, our, sorry, with our physio staff. Um, mm. It's a tough one, but um, it, we're all in the same situation. Every club's in the same situation. Just quickly before I let you go, you won't be uh, unaware of the fact that there's a lot of talk about pay cuts. We know a few clubs have, have already activated them. There is talk that this maybe goes Super League-wide, game-wide. Uh, look, not an easy one to ask you, but what's your take on that as a player who may be affected by that? I think that I said um, at the start, of the, the start of the issue that as rugby league players, we've got to do everything we can to 12-power game. Um, you guys are doing it. You're helping in any, in any way you can. We're, we're all we all trying to fight for the game to still be existing as such, uh, and that's the main thing. So, I think like I say it has been rumoured about the pay cuts, and um, I think every club will be in the same situation. But I, I always stand by by my original statement. We'll 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 do anything to to make sure our game survives, and um, as long as we're we're living and we're healthy and our family's healthy. Um, that, I mean, that's the main thing. We want to make sure our families are healthy, first and foremost. And um, we understand uh, the roles and responsibilities that we have as professional rugby league players. And 
And if we can help in any way, um, you won't find a, a rugby league player who, who won't help. Lovely. Well, Ryan, you can easily say that. You were on a marquee contract back in the day, weren't you? Oh, so yeah. He, uh, <laughs> he's not short on money. Ryan, thank you very much for joining us and try and uh, keep yourself entertained like everyone else during this time off. Cheers, mate. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. No problem. Well, we're going to take a quick break here. After this, we will have more rugby league discussion with key stakeholders from throughout the game. Stay right here. The next part of Rugby League Back Chat is coming right up. Welcome back to the final part of this week's Rugby League Back Chat, live from my kitchen. On the line now, we have Gareth Walker, journalist for the Daily Mirror. Gareth, how are you? How are you keeping yourself busy with nothing to write about at the minute? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. I've got two young children, so we're plenty busy at home at the moment, in between everything else. You were saying that you're acting as a guinea pig for Dave Woods as well. What's that all about? Yeah, Dave's doing some personal training uh, training at the moment, so... Yeah, he wanted someone who'd sign up to a 12-week programme with him and uh, and that appears to be me. So I spent this morning uh, talking to Dave Woods via FaceTime uh, in my garage doing a bit of exercise. So it's very impressive, actually. It looks like he's uh, getting stuck into it. Good on him. Well, uh, hopefully I don't give you as hard a time as Dave gave you this morning. Uh, talk, talk to me about this this time. I guess from a media's perspective at the minute, what? What what can what can the media do right now? Is, is it is it possible for for them to do anything? I mean, it's obviously more difficult. I mean, I'm quite fortunate in the company that I work for, the, the Daily Mirror. They're keen on rugby league generally. Uh, they're keen on human in, interest stories generally. Uh, and you know, it's an unfortunate time, but it, it does kind of bring out human interest stories. We did a piece with with Steve McNamara, who was locked down in France before we were, and, mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff. You know, people are interested to read what situations are like. I think that's probably got a shelf life of a certain number of weeks, how, how long we can talk about how people are dealing with this coronavirus situation, and then we'll have to move on to something else. But I think that combined with trying to keep people up to date with what the clubs are talking about, what their plans are if A, B or C happens in the next few weeks and months, that's what we've got to concentrate on as well at the moment, I think. Hey, you have spoke to the other national journalists, as he said. I mean, the Mirror are very supportive. You do regular features on there, a lot of human interest stories. There are other nationals that aren't quite um, as I don't want to say not as keen, but they've got a different approach, haven't they? They're not they're not as uh, enthusiastic about rugby league as such. Are the other national journalists? You know, what what are they doing? Are they fearful? And and also, how is it affecting the industry generally? Yeah, well, it's a hard time. I guess this period that we've just entered now in, into proper lockdown will will be crucial for so many businesses, but for the media as well. You know, we don't know how many people are going to go out there and, and buy a newspaper when they are allowed to go shopping. And um, you know, there's a train of thought that people actually want to read more and need more information at the moment. But the bottom line is, we don't know until you know we get sales figures back from the first few weeks. So it's a challenging time, you know, and, and for sports especially. You know, obviously. I think I've spoke to the guys who, who run the websites at the Mirror um, and their online traffic for news stories and keeping people up to date with that uh, are up big style. You know, people want to read about what's happening and what the latest things in place are. But for sports, it's very different. And as I said, I think we've only got a shelf life of a, of a few weeks that we can tell people what sports people are doing during this coronavirus pandemic. And, and then we're going to have to look somewhere else, really. So it, it is going to be difficult for sports journalists generally because 
what we write about is live sport, essentially. There are stories around that, but it's all focused on what happens on the field. And, and if there's a, an extended period without that, then it is going to be a very challenging times for everybody, I'm sure. You go uh, around a lot of the championship clubs with the work that you do. Uh, you speak frequently to, to clubs at that level and lower. Look, we, I know a lot. there's been a lot of people already saying they may not be able to cope, they may not be able to do this, they may not be able to do that. I mean, probably spoken to more clubs than anyone during this period, Gareth. What's the general feeling amongst your clubs, certainly the part-time clubs that, that have to try and get through this period with no income? Look, I think there's certainly a fear among, well, I would say the vast majority, but it's all, they all, there's a fear of what lies ahead, definitely. But I, I also get the impression that some of these clubs are probably a bit more resilient than we give them credit for at times. Um, it's a different landscape to Super League, as Super League is to the NRL. And, and there's, a, there's a train of thought within the game that the NRL might be in trouble before anybody because they're so heavily reliant on that TV deal and being on TV every week. Uh, that mm -hmm. comes down a bit for Super League and obviously comes down again for the Championship and League One, where clubs don't have the same outgoings that a Super League club would. So it's going to be tough times, absolutely. Um, I spoke to one chairman last week, though, who seemed fairly confident that if they had 12 weeks without action, his club would come through that all right. So, you know, I think clubs, just like any business, really, are going to have to adapt to what lies in front of them now. Some will be more resilient than others. There's definitely a fear there. But I don't think we should underestimate, you know, rugby league's been resilient its whole life. This is going to be tough, definitely. But the people involved with it generally are up for the fight from what I've seen. Is there a problem, and it's great to hear that, no doubt, is there a problem with the part-time clubs in terms of actually getting players back on the field? Because a lot of guys, the vast majority that played in the championship are part-time players. They have other jobs. Their jobs likely are going to be affected during this time when the season starts, they may have work demands that, you know, require them to work at a weekend. Have any of the clubs spoke to you about that or, or raised that as, an, a, as a concern that the availability of players that they've got might really be an issue once we get that going again? Yeah, that's a concern from the coaches in particular. I think the chairman are, are just focusing on, on keeping the businesses running, but certainly the coaches that I've spoken to, even when they've described, you know, last week I was ringing around and we still didn't know, that, you know, it could have been a relatively short time before we're back on the field. That's not going to happen now. But those coaches were saying how difficult it is at part-time level just to plan training schedules because some guys there were still out doing manual labour. Some guys were stuck in home virtually the whole time, either through the families or their job situation. So that's going to be massively challenging, I'm sure, uh, once we do get playing again because in the Championship and League One, players' situations are so different from one player to the next, whereas obviously in Super League, you all turn up to training every day and you all know what you're supposed to be doing. I think I've asked a lot of people this. What, what's your vision, your image for how the, the season and the schedule will look once we get back playing? I know it's a difficult question because the reality is right now we don't know when we're going to be playing again. No, no. And to, to that extent, we are guessing. But what I would say is, I mean, it's not perhaps as, as big an issue as football have got when they're well into their season. Now you've got a situation with, Liverpool so far ahead of the rest, but not having yet secured the title. Obviously, there's nothing won or lost in rugby league at the moment. So we're probably not as worried about losing fixtures and that might have to be an option. Certainly in Super League, people talk about those loot fixtures. That would seem a natural thing to do. We're going to have to get rid of some matches. Maybe the champions got ships got to rethink and depending how far down the line we are, you only play each other once. I think we do have to have some kind of full season at some point. 
But the further down the line we get, the more sacrifices the sport and clubs are going to have to make on that front. Just quickly before you go, just a little plug for some of the features you've got lined up. What can you tell us that we can expect to see from you in the coming days and weeks? Yeah, well, so the next couple of weeks we'll try and keep up with what Super League clubs are doing at home with their players and things like that. And then we'll, we'll move away. I think this weekend is the anniversary of the start of Super League, isn't it? So I'm going to speak yeah. to some people who are involved in that Paris-Sheffield game that, that's going to be shown at weekend and say, you know, the sport had a lot of challenges and, and things ahead of it at that point. And it certainly has now. So things like that over the next few weeks and what happens for the next future. Brilliant. Gareth from the Daily Mirror, thank you very much for joining us, my friend. Now, it wouldn't be an innovative show without the innovator of rugby league himself. Steve Rascod, you love wacky, wonderful, weird ways of trying to bring rugby league to the masses in different ways. It only seemed appropriate to have you close the show here. How are you, first and foremost? Because you're in London where it, uh, it's particularly bad at the minute. Yeah, I'm working on my hobo chic here, as you can see with the beard. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's, um, you know, it's... it's I guess scary times, but I'm actually really, really uh, busy, Matt. You know, there's I've got a book to write, and um, there's you know a lot of things to do. So I've always been a lover of the great indoors. So uh, yeah, it's not too not too hard on me. But as long as everyone stays healthy, how are we going to cope without rugby league, Steve? What what can what can the game do? I guess to be productive in this time. Yeah, it's interesting you say that, Matt. Um, I'm looking at the, um, the the British clubs and their social media accounts, and there's some. I know the uh, Widness have got uh, um, streaming, uh, tra- you know, uh, uh, workouts with the Chapel Hill Twins, and, and and Castleford are promoting. Um, they're still playing games, but they're playing playing them digitally, uh, you know, with the esports. Uh, whereas the NRL uh, clubs, uh, they've kind of maybe they're just getting used to the fact that uh, it's off, but uh, they're not quite as uh, playful and as uh, innovative with their their social media and trying to keep people uh, engaged. I think they're still mourning the season because they they did have ambitions to play the whole season behind closed doors in Gladstone in central Queensland. But um, I think um, I think there's a lot of um, I think this is a, for everybody. It's a period uh, you know of contemplation. Um, I'm finding that uh, I don't know if any of the viewers feel the same way, but when there's nowhere um, um, when there's nowhere to spend the money, when all you're buying is food. Um, then, you know, you probably start to think, well, uh, what if I worked a little less, you know? <laughs> if I worked a little less and yeah. earned a little less money and spent a little less money, uh, I get to spend more time with my family, um, although people might uh, be sick of that idea by the time this is over. So I think in our, in our general lives, um, I think it is a time for kind of uh, contemplation and, and regeneration and looking at things in a, in a different way. And it should be the same uh, for rugby league. It's interesting that you say that, though, you know, time for contemplation and combine that with what you said about clubs being innovative. Do you think clubs are going to come out of this in many ways? They're clearly not going to be better financially for it, but in terms of creativity, in terms of engagement, in terms of of interaction, do you think that this period is going to help clubs, certainly in rugby league, be more in touch with their communities, with their fan bases, and also maybe give them some ideas in the future to really push them out into a into a wider channel, which we all strive for so much in this game. Yeah, I, well, I think as far as you know, social media people um, being uh, imaginative and and, um, and 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 I think probably also, you know, the people on boards of every club now are going to think about well, how do we uh, make any money at all when we don't have a match? 
um, at home every second. If if some of the clubs uh, come up with, and also I guess from a sports science point of view, um, the, the 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 training staff are trying to figure out how to keep uh, players uh, fit. So I think that you know if they come up with some good answers, I'm not sure what answers are out there financially. Uh, to get money coming in, but the other the other areas, if they come up with some of those answers, then they'll be able to apply them when 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 rugby league starts uh, again. So um, you know, I think some people might have been talking about um, uh, you know that uh, you know the, 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 the some of the remodelling that we've been talking about in rugby league. Uh, are there too many teams in Sydney? And you know, there's so much money in the NRL, but even they are worried about going broke. Um, and certainly, are there can we afford in this country three levels of um, of the professional game? You know, th- there's going to be uh, there's going to be some pretty uh, harsh questions asked uh, from a, a commercial and economic point of view during this period, and and maybe some of the answers will be bad answers for the game, but perhaps some of the answers might be good answers for long term for the game as well. One place where there doesn't seem to be a lot of answer at the minute is regarding Toronto. Um... The home games, travel in and out of Canada, the financial repercussions of that. I know it's a club that, that you have very good links to. Uh, you know you know people well there. You've been there, obviously. How concerned are you for Toronto and, and their future through this? Because it does seem to me from the outside that any problems that UK clubs have, it's potentially 10 times, 20 times more difficult for Toronto. Yeah, but then again, I guess the other way to look at it, Matt, is that Toronto were already losing money hand over fist. So, uh, you know, I, like, I, I was sitting here, you know, like two weeks ago, I was sitting here um, in the lounge room doing exactly the same thing I did today. The only thing that's different to me, for me is that um, I can't go to the gym now. Um, so uh, mm-hmm. Toronto were already losing money hand over fist. Uh, they weren't relying on gate receipts to keep the doors open anyway. Uh, so, and neither were the NRL, as we saw, the NRL were uh, quite happy um, to keep playing um, um, with no crowds, uh, you know, as long as they, because they get $13 million a week from their TV rights. So they just got to keep that coming in. They don't need people coming uh, through the gates. Uh, so I, as far as Toronto are concerned, I think any problems that they have now, they probably had before. Um, and uh, any, and maybe some of the good things that uh, they had going for them, uh, for this, they're probably still there as well. Uh, you know, I, they certainly don't rely on gate receipts when they're only charging twenty bucks for nine for nine thousand people to come through their gates. Got about a minute to uh, to uh, before we have to wrap up. Unfortunately, you mentioned TV rights. What about in Super League? We know how important that money is on a monthly basis to clubs. Paul King, Salford director, said that the Sky money they receive every month pretty much pays their their wage bill. Given that, is there a potential that we may as a sport go down that route of trying to play behind closed doors to get that money, to ensure that money keeps coming into the game? Yeah, um, the other the other thing, and I, I know John Hardigan, who's the former uh, CEO of News Limited, made this point that maybe sporting bodies now will uh, basically uh, sign longer term uh, but lower value a TV contracts to be dug out of trouble at the moment. And, you know, this could really change the uh, TV rights uh, um, um, landscape as far as, you know, perhaps Sky might see it as an opportunity to bed down rugby league, uh, you know, uh, for longer, uh, but the terms won't quite uh, be as good as they otherwise would have uh, would have paid. But, uh, yeah, behind closed doors, uh, it's got to be a possibility. Um, if they can do it in Australia where there's a lot more travel, um, then they should be able to do it here. 
And it does seem that, just quickly, that the problem with coronavirus at the minute, and I know that it's hard to, to manage this, but it seems like Wolverhampton's a hotspot, London's a hotspot. Up in the north, it doesn't seem as big an issue at the minute. Well, if, you, if everyone stays inside uh, and, and just watch, go back and watch every episode of Backchat ever made, uh, then that will, <laughs> that will remain the case. And, uh, you know, but uh, it's all about, you know, flattening that curve. So everyone stay inside uh, and uh, the north will remain safe and we'll get rugby league back on the pitches. Well, I don't even need to give my outro to that now. Steve Mascord, thank you very much. You've paid your appearance fee with that little endorsement. As for everyone else, wash your hands, stay safe. Thank you for watching this week's Rugby League Back Chat.